my vision of the world has been always the same in terms of my three decades of working in mass adoption of ICTs. Is the hope that we adopt an ethos that is open and distributed in nature is an opportunity. We've tried many models of how to govern and use resources. Open source models seem to be an opportunity to say, "Hey, maybe there's a different way." Of doing things in spite of the capitalist system that we find ourselves. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pretty Good Podcast: Digital Rights in the Asia Pacific with Engage Media. I am Red. And I'm Sarah. And for this last episode of Pretty Good Podcast for the year 2022, we want to discuss three things. First, the current issues and events surrounding big tech globally and how they affect us here in the Asia Pacific region. Two, how they relate to other events that have occurred in the last year, especially as they relate to digital rights. And three, what we as civil society, Engage Media included, can do next year and in the years ahead to address these seemingly never-ending challenges to upholding digital rights. And with that, here is our episode. Our guest today is Fat Seo, the executive director of Engage Media, who prior to joining us has decades of experience in information, communications, technology policy, internet governance, and artificial intelligence. Let's just say he has near three decades of experience of work in the Asia Pacific region. We'll get to know him, hear his takes in this episode. Without further ado, welcome to Pretty Good Podcast, Fat. Thanks very much, Red. Thanks very much, very much, Sarah. It's an honor to be on the last episode of Pre uh, Good Podcast. Yeah, year. we're ending. Yeah, for the year, for the year, <laughs> and we are yeah, ending. Sorry, through. yes, this is the last. It's not the last episode forever, but uh, this is <laughs> one of our most popular outputs uh, that we know. Right, right. Speaking of endings, um, as the year is coming to a close. It seems like some big mainstream social media networks are also nearing its end. Uh, fingers crossed. Of course, there can be good and bad things related to that. I'm talking about Twitter, but it's not only Twitter that's been put in peril by the shoddy management of um, Elon Musk. There's also Facebook, and Mark Zuckerberg's investment in Metaverse has been questionable as well. Amazon's Alexa has lost billions of dollars. There's FTX and crypto, and it seems like to the extent that the pandemic is easing and um, we are coming out of that phase, uh, these big mainstream platforms are also kind of facing down in terms of our uh, uh, like uh, reliance on them. Or what's happening, Fred? What, can you give us your take on what's happening amid all of this chaos? Well, then I think you're pointing to a number of trends. Um, I would be hesitant to sort of connect them. I think there are some things that could be connected. There's general trend. I was recently listening to a Lex Friedman uh, podcast, actually, uh, featured with the, one of the founders of uh, the investors of Facebook. And uh, he made an uh, interesting notion that a lot of the uh, businesses you see that were boomed um, in the 90s and it continued in the 2000s were at the top of the OSI stack with the app uh, layer and they are reliant on largely the ad business. 
um, there's a sort of crowding out to the attention economy in that sense. So uh, his advice was, and I'm blanking on that name, we'll look it up afterwards on this, um, is to, to sort of look at the infrastructure and the sort of hard, bare steel, what he calls the bare infrastructure level. If you look at organizations that have lasted, the IBMs of the world, they've sort of entrenched themselves into the infrastructure, the standards and the uh, the law uh, that we can't do without and so they sort of disappear into the scene and so it's not that I think that these organizations will go away I think is the computing becomes mainstream and it has really mainstream in the last two decades uh, exponentially uh, is that happens more you'll find companies disappearing and become part of our you almost utility right if you think of Google search as a utility that's kind of disappeared but they've come to a business model that sustains them so perhaps there is a clearing that you're you're suggesting i don't think there's necessarily a shift of power uh that we actually would like to see in terms of user freedoms that would result in a shift of power and concentration i think that perhaps that's what you're hinting at uh, there might be trends around that in social media and there might be an opportunity right now for us to uh, explore alternatives to social media. There are uh, platforms to such. There's also movements to the back things up like that, like platform um, cooperatization um, is a term. If you uh, subscribe to Yokai Bankler and his group of uh, followers around that movement around decentralizing uh, social movements. My perspective on that, the long term, is around standards, actually. If you think of social networking um, is uh, pushing uh, standards. If you think of Facebook or even Twitter, there's nothing you can do, nothing you can't do uh, via the email protocol. But the fact that it's being concentrated, hosted for our convenience, and we're trading off our eyeballs for ad dollars, that ad network model um, may not change anytime soon. Um, I think old media transformed, there's new media, but the model of ads for attention, that won't change necessarily. So I think that's another side. I think Facebook uh, is facing other sort of uh, issues, uh, technological issues. They're, they're investing on uh, the metaverse, right? This idea of um, the platform they want to own the platform very much as the sort of beginning days of the internet if you own the platform everything rides on it you become the gatekeeper so i think that's a separate trend from what's happening with twitter so i think in the long term i don't think social networking or at least corporate privately owned uh, corp, uh, social network social media platforms are going to disappear necessarily there'll be opportunities for decentralized community level movements and i think that's um where uh, engaged media and civil society may come in to help build capacity, raise awareness around power structures, around economic uh, asymmetries around these business models. And we can try to shift that a bit. But I think in the long run, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, social media and social network becomes utilities that we kind of buy in and their technologies right now that are, we're already um, locked in. If you think of Twitter, the character constraint, for example, that becomes a cultural lock-in. Now we have generations who are locked at you know X number of characters um, uh, as a way of communicating. Um, so 
I don't have a crystal ball to answer your question necessarily. I, I think there are certain trends and opportunities for engaged media and alike to push alternatives. I think there is a longer shift um, that we have to fight for in terms of changing people's mind around their stewardship around their data. But I'm risking and I'm saying so many answers and going so many different. Maybe I'll pause right now, Red. Thank you, Fed, for your many insights. And don't worry, we'll be delving deeper into some of these trends and other ways forward that you've mentioned. But before that, I want to put on the brakes a little bit and ask you this two-parter. One, for those who may not yet know you or are not as familiar with your work, may you tell us a bit more about yourself? And two, we're also interested to know how these three decades of experience have shaped the way you view technology, AI, social media, all the things that we mentioned, how your takes on these trends have affected that. Thank you, Sarah. I'll, I'll try to summarize the three decades of uh, work experience, but I think I'll go back a bit further. Um, I'm, turned, I turned 50, um, and I mentioned that because I, international development uh, is in my blood, as it were. I'm a uh, child of war. Um, I uh, left as a refugee of Laos and landed as a landed immigrant in Canada, uh, then eventually found myself back in the region trying to connect with family uh, in, in international development, volunteering with the World University Service of Canada in Vietnam uh, between 1998-2000, working as affiliates uh, with the civil society group with the Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development. We were uh, setting up, uh, well, that organization was setting up biomass um, uh, chambers, which use natural sort of uh, animal biomass to change that to gas, to allow for cooking, et cetera. And we set up this village. I was uh, involved with an Oxfam project in networking this uh, organization that, that led to my uh, towards a uh, career and then that followed to work with the United Nations uh, that um, started in Laos um, at the United Nations uh, Development Program that uh, was at the beginning of what was the uh, E-everything. Um, at that point, I was doing e-readiness report uh, for the country, for the United Nations, making recommendations for the Ministry of Science and Technology around projects that they can do uh, for the nation that involve localizing ICTs, um, expanding the ICT infrastructure, uh, incentives for the business, et cetera, et cetera. That work caught the eye of UNDP in Malaysia and UNDP, uh, the regional office, working in ICT for development program. At that point, the UN system decided that the world, and at that point, um, the Malaysian government was hosting the regional program, and they were um, interested in expanding uh, access to their economy so that the trickle-down effects would be social and economic and cultural uh, impacts that were positive, um, so gearing Malaysia up to be a hub in the region as well, et cetera. So I was part of that wave of e-everything, um, and uh, I really learned my, um, my chops uh, uh, during those years, um, both in the learning about the technical side and infrastructure of the so-called internet as it was developing at the time, and how the UN contributes to the expanse of that, and multilaterals contribute to the expanse of connectivity in the region. Uh, and then I saw the emergence of the rights issues around that. So as the region started connecting more, what are the sort of social, cultural, um, economic issues around being more connected? 
uh, so this is prior to questions around censorship and surveillance, which is very much at the heart of what Engage Media was doing. So in a way, my career was in parallel with the story of Engage Media at that time. Andrew Lowenthal, the founder of Engage Media, was thinking around these same lines. What happens in the world when we're all very connected? What does that mean? For his perspective was what would happen when we have the capacity to do video and, uh, and we're all connected. And that morphed into the questions around rights. And you could see the history of um, the, the engaged media history is actually a microcosm to what was going on to the greater effect. Expansion of connectivity in large fronts and then the sort of emergence around the rights discourse um, to the connectivity, both accessing culture, but also the right to issues around the right to privacy, data protection, these started to emerge. Um, and so I was um, a program officer with the UNDP almost a decade running programs to that effect. But I saw the writing on the wall and uh, the UN was going to move out of that space after a mere five years of in investment. And the, bigger, the biggest player at the time uh, was the International Development Research Center of Canada. Um, uh, and it had a dear, uh, had, well, the organization has a dear place in my heart because it's a Canadian organization, but it is the prime organization for development research unique in that way around the world. It's probably the only organization that funds development research. Uh, um, my future director came knocking my door. I was in Bangkok and asked if I would join IDRC. Um, so I did, and 15 years later as a senior program officer giving grants. I feel like I've contributed to building the field in the region, particularly Asia Pacific, around the rights area. So, um, and also some work around con my contributions to localization and these are largely investments as an officer with IDRC I was sort of in the background building and funding organizations like Learn Asia, Center for Internet um, Society, um, APC was a, a grantee, um, many others. Um, the, the Open Network Initiative in Asia was also prompted by our investments which then turned to investments in Privacy International and their regional global network around, right? So we really, uh, I like to think I was part of a handful of people that were really investing millions into the region and globally around the ICT for D and then the open development paradigm and then the rights discourse, which again, engaged media is a part of. Uh, so I feel like I was part of that tide and now with a return to sort of the region and my role with engaged media after 15 years and of IDRC, eight years and 10 years of UN, I think I've now been, I have the sort of experience to come to these issues from a civil society perspective. And so engaged media represented that opportunity. Um, but of course, um, I left out that between IDRC and engaged media, I joined the Commonwealth of Learning where I was a, senior advisor around their e-learning program. But that was, uh, I, I think it was sort of like a, a hiatus between what I was doing. And that's the reason, I guess, in a nutshell, I joined um, Engage Media as sort of a way to come back to these issues um, from a perspective that is more on the ground. Um, as I said in my previous life, it's been regionally, globally, and largely about social investments and risk management and movement building, but from afar. I, I'm, I'm 
enjoying the fact that in the last few months we've been able to engage with the alliance building and the work on the ground. Um, I guess uh, as long as we to answer your second part of your question, which is why is it, how is it all connected? Uh, these issues around the network society, the digital rights in the network society is bundled with my work experience, also my life experience. We can, it's also connected largely with how uh, um, I view my personal life and engagement with the world. For instance, I was separated from my family for about 20 years. And within that 20 years, uh, we received, as a child growing up in Canada, I received two letters within that 20 years and it was two photos I came across. Now, every day, I have nieces and nephews who are on Instagram and on Facebook, and they post about a picture every 15 minutes that I could see. Um, of course, that's anecdotal, um, but uh, that gives you a hint of this sort of transformative nature of the um, technology and the areas that I think that I've chosen to work in that I think is ICTs in terms of its transformation across many domains in terms of our mass adoption globally to it is can't be um, underestimated. Um, it's the most transformative um, for me uh, um, in terms of adoption since I guess the, the printing press, the convergence of computing, um, networking, uh, the creative industries, uh, media, and this is exactly where engaged media works, this convergence, which it's hard for us to describe, but we live it, right? And, and in my 30 years, I've lived that path of technology development. Long way to answer your two-part question, um, my, my work history has been connected with international development and particularly in the field of information communication uh, technologies for development and our adoption of it and the tensions that are coming uh, from that, and it's intertwined with um, how I see the world. Um, it's in, um, and I'm very fortunate that uh, one of the reasons I took Engage Media, the, one of the reasons I took the job uh, with Engage Media was that there was a side around media production and distribution that I uh, have very low experience in, and which I'm interested, in, which is that that convergence, of the, which is the video for change side of our work. Um, that is very strong, which is uh, unique to us, um, uh, is an actor in the ecosystem of civil society groups working on digital rights. That's our, uh, our goal. And it's also one of my sort of weaker areas that I wanted to develop. I'm giving you many answers now. I'll stop. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Pet. You have shared with us the context, the history of how you got here. Um, so much for the past, we are focusing now on the present. Um, from your current vantage point as executive director of Engage Media, what do you see as the main challenges as far as digital rights go that Engage Media is in a position to address? And what strategy do you think um, is best for addressing such challenges? I think the main challenge to the region or is the limits on speech and assembly in general that's sort of happening with these global adoption of what seems to be um, far-right ideologies that's sort of bubbling everywhere who knows what exactly are the trends there much is written and spoken about 
that that continues to be that. Um, there is our own sort of pet theory in the house, our own anthropologist in uh, Engage Media is saying that it's sort of a, a sense of obsolescence in sort of political uh, systems and institutions. And so there's a hanging to a nostalgia. And so control over how people speak and how they express themselves and how they assemble is really control over power and that heritage. So um, in a general sense, I think that the main challenge to um, the region are the limits to free speech and assembly. Um, on the flip side of that is sort of the rise of disinformation and the need to regulate and control that. Because um, we're on that side as well. And so as an organization, I think the challenge going forward, immediate and long-term forward, is sort of uh, be able to balance that edge. When do we, on the side of countering disinformation in useful ways, or what we think are useful and ethical ways, without um, putting constraints on the freedom of expression, um, and also knowing that these are not absolute. Um, and they, those limits also starts to bubble up or merge in areas around hate speech, for example. And so we've been invested in working with the likes of the Association for Progressive Communications in looking about at hate speech and how that forms and how that particularly forms and moves uh, in the digital space. Um, the, the speed at which hate um, moves is very different um, on networks as it is opposed to in sort of mouth to mouth in a sort of local setting, et cetera. You could ima imagine there are great new challenges. This seems also obvious when we say that now, but hasn't always been the case. The power to um, uh, voice is um, an incredible one. Everyone has that now and to do with a degree of anonymity, which we want as an organization to protect as well. So then, again, those are the fine balances we want. We want to be able to um, not have constraints on free speech, especially now we consider the general elections that are coming up in the region, in Indonesia, in Malaysia, in Myanmar, um, in what are vulnerable uh, situations and in countries and contexts where you need uh, some independent voice. Um, so it's difficult and it's difficult to um, champion that, but also knowing that on large part, what we champion in the digital is a privilege uh, arena. After all, you, everyone needs data connectivity to be able to um, access or even to uh, voice, to express. So balancing uh, the right to free speech and assembly and also uh, the need to regulate and counter uh, disinformation, that is going to be the challenge going forward for organizations, uh, the corporates as well, uh, the public sector, but civil society as well, especially because um, the outcome is that civic spaces are being constrained and uh, shrinking in nature. There's a chilling effect when you put, um, when there is either uh, official or unofficial or from the public or hidden uh, messages uh, that threaten journalists, for example. Um, the chilling effect is not just for the political arena, but for other uh, sectors as well. If you're talking about environmental converse, uh, conservation, um, you're talking about religious freedom, um, which is also something we looked in in the Indonesian context. 
So these uh, these constraints on the freedom of expression will have chilling effects across many sectors. So for us to be able to be in there, to be able to look at that, um, but that will require engaged media to up our game in terms of our uh, public policy speech. And I think there's a opportunity there because the gap is, will, will remain between the technologi technological ecology and the policies that are in place. Often they're not in sync and we talk about that. And unfortunately, and fortunately for us, it's civil society and civic tech that can come in and bridge that gap. Um, can talk about rights that are embedded in tech, but also talk about where tech impacts policy and at the same time communicate to general public. So I think that's our main challenge to deal in that sphere and all those stakeholders. It's no um, small task. Uh, your second question, I think, was, or part, part two of the question was, how do we do this? Uh, as an organization, I think, and we've already um, planted the seed in the number of activities have uh, undertaken, uh, particularly around the coconut uh, uh, events that we've held. I'm, as an executive director, I'm going down the region, and this is what I hear from everybody. Uh, engaged media and coconut are sort of synonymous. So that networking function I want to build on, and we already have work plans to sort of build on this. So I'm glad you asked this, Red. Um, to push it forward, I think it's alliance building um, to be able to scale uh, our advocacy work in ways that um, that we just marginally put in, but the gains are great to all of us. We're talking about Asia Pacific is a huge region. We can barely almost even consider ourselves Pacific uh, in the Pacific region. We barely cover that. But the issues are, as I said, emerging around disinformation um, constraints to the freedom of expression and assembly. Um, how we campaign, how we do this issue uh, will involve hand-in-hand -hand alliance building with um, like-minded organizations like Article 19, I mentioned APC, um, matters, um, media matters for democracy in uh, Pakistan and SafeNet in Indonesia. These organizations who are working uh, at the local level but also have an interest to want to campaign things at the regional level but also at the global level. So how can we align together to um, for changes, for example, the UN um, plan, which we recently did in our events in Bangkok. We, with APC, uh, engage with UN Special Rapporteur for Freedom of Expression and pushing for uh, more nuanced and up-to-dated language around the protection uh, uh, security for women journalists in particular. And there, um, this notion of what is online, offline, being acknowledged that it's quite blurred and we have to deal with uh, hate and damage um, that is just really at the person, the target really at the person, whether it comes to the medium or not. But So these more nuanced discussions and lines building is, I think, the way forward for engaged media. And there's nothing new I bring out to. I think we're already building uh, on that. We have a great reputation of setting the stage for such conversations. I think we are beginning to be uh, at the face of these conversations um, at our forums that we're organizing, at the regional and international events, um, at the Internet 
governance forum that's coming up in Ethiopia, for example. And so um, I think the way forward uh, for engaged media is also the way forward for uh, like-minded organizations in the region, which is we need to build alliance together for platform accountability, for public sector accountability, among other things. Thank you for sharing. Um, first of all, before I jump into my follow-up question, I want to start off by sharing for our uh, listeners and those watching this on Cinemata. You can uh, search all these different projects that Engage Media has that Fet also just mentioned over at engagemedia.org slash projects. So all of that is listed there from our Challenging Hate Speech Project, this in, um, our Media Freedom Initiative, and so on and so forth. But Fet, you've actually been um, speaking about the future and in that it is in alliance building. And there's also uh, trends that you mentioned about uh, banding together to counter all the, the chilling effects of hate, of hate speech, disinformation, and so on. Just so happens that Engage Media is actually working on such alliance building and projects. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Could you feel free to share with us um, what's coming up next? We put down a strategy of a series of convenings that um, we loosely sort of can put together. That's at happens at the national level and also at the regional level, sub-regional level, uh, and then building up to a regional network that we're hoping would go forward. Because the aim is to, the ultimate goal is to have a regional network uh, that looks at digital rights issues beyond the, perhaps even our own mandate or what we will aim to put in place in the year or two. But we're hoping that we will be able to seed and start to convene uh, a network of organizations that are for safeguarding uh, digital rights in the region. Um, as I mentioned, some of the organizations include Article 19, who have joined um, in that conversation. SafeNet in Indonesia will be joining us in our meeting on Friday to hear us at the Global Network Initiative. We'll observe uh, national initiatives in Indonesia, like the CNAR project. Um, we're reaching out to regional organizations like Learn Asia, who are looking more at the economic um, systems around the digital society um, to connect them. So that is the ultimate goal, to have a body that is sort of self-sustaining and sort of have its sort of incentive systems built in to sustain itself and carry itself by membership. Uh, we were hoping, we are hoping that the funding that we've received of late, we will to seed that and that's our contribution. Uh, leading towards that, as I mentioned, uh, we just concluded uh, actually a national uh, forum in Thailand. I was able to participate in one of the two days. Um, I'm happy to report that the, one of the outcomes is that the group has decided to reinvigorate and reinitiate the IGF Thailand, a group that has been silenced for the last few years. I, in my past life, had contributed to the Asia-Pacific um, version of the IGF and its constitution building, as it were. And so it's good to know that that was a good outcome in the forum. But in these forums, we're hoping that the stakeholders that are invited, again, civil uh, tech, uh, um, academia, and in the case of Thailand, Chulalongkorn University co-hosted with us, um, stakeholders get together and they, um, in a sort of open space situation, um, emerge the um, issues that are 
um, important to them. And they're conveniently the ones that I, in my crystal ball have sort of named. But I imagine that the ones that are happening soon in, we include one in the Philippines, uh, in Jakarta is coming up. We will have a culmination of this into a forum that's hybrid in nature, both online and offline um, uh, with these cities um, in the region that will um, happen in January. And then finally, all of these uh, events will lead uh, engaging uh, in Chiang Mai, where I am now, uh, in May of 2023, uh, to, uh, to celebrate uh, digital rights and uh, our active roles in contributing to safeguarding digital rights, but also to think together about the state of things and how to go forward. So I'm very excited about all that because it contributes to the long-term goal, which is very much needed solidarity in the region around these issues. Um, uh, the issues are so great and the scale is so huge that uh, we do our bits as individual organizations to contribute to them in our local situations, but banding together to um, deal with common issues around maybe data protections, uh, cyber surveillance, uh, questions around platform accountability, uh, these things. Um, they will emerge, and we will hope that uh, they will emerge, and we will be able to tackle uh, with them. Uh, we will to tackle them together uh, as a collection of organizations in this movement building. So that's the uh, long-term plan in terms of uh, the immediate one to two years. Um, we will hope that uh, this network will be able to sustain uh, further than that, um, either with internal funding with the organizations or looking for external funding. But um, our, the, the, the steps are in place. Our, uh, we've concluded some forums, and we're marching forward to our Digital Rights Festival. Thank you so much, Fet. Indeed, those are quite uh, interesting and exciting sounding events. I think I'll join that one, and I hope our I think listeners you'll enjoy and the viewers. Festival. I think so too. I'm a bit biased, um, but you've mentioned your crystal ball uh, sometimes, and I will ask you for this final question to use it one last time. So let us say that those Festival Alliance network building work all succeeds, digital rights, open and secure technology, video for change, essentially engaged media's core projects all work out um, in five, 10 years, say, like, can you paint a, a vision for us of um, a state uh, in Asia Pacific that we should all be working toward? So how would that um, look like um, contrasted to what we ha are currently experiencing? Uh, my vision of the world, uh, I suppose, has been always the same in terms of my three decades of working in the uh, mass adoption of ICTs, is the hope that we adopt an ethos that is open and distributed in nature is an opportunity. We've tried many models of how to uh, govern and uh, use resources. Uh, the open source models seem to be an opportunity to say, hey, maybe there's a different way of doing things uh, in spite of the capitalist system that we find ourselves. Um, but at the same time, I'm being realistic to note that um, as I, my answer is about social media, is it seems like these things are entrenched. So my hope and my vision for the future is a diverse um, technological world, ecologically diverse, um, technologically diverse, meaning that uh, hardware and software is hackable, openable. We can, 
we can mess with it as we want. And rights are also in those ways. And so what we can do is engage media's contribute to that tension between the centralized model of technology development and the need to develop local networks, the need to um, negotiate rights uh, at very, um, it, where the app hits real life, as it were, where it might, where I'm taking the grab every day um, at that level. Um, so that's where I hope to see. I hope we're not homogenous, um, and I hope that engaged media can contribute to that diversity. And I think uh, we can, and I think uh, we can do it by um, practicing um, these, the ethics. So a lot of the questions I think uh, has come up today, and it's funny, it returns back to um, the ethics of the digital rights, but um, it seems to me that the technology, the transformation of what the technology offers is also an opportunity for us to rethink certain ethics. I'm still hopeful about the open uh, um, model. I think going forward, it has to be now pushed to be highly localized. So I'm all about hope, hyper-localization. You know, it's also, it's very messy ecological ways. So um, I'm down with the internet mystification, all for messy rights and technology. Yes, agree with that. And the road to that is surely not going to be easy, but it's definitely something that we have to stay on. And I mean, I don't know about you two, but then I'm all for it. And that's why we're here. And with that, Fet, thank you very much for your insights into the messy world of digital rights and fighting for it that we find ourselves in and how this also, of course, relates to the physical and the um, re actual world, as you were saying. And with that, uh, thank you for tuning in and see you all in the next episode. That was quite the conversation, Sarah. It's uh, apparent that uh, Fett's long experience in many fields gives him this unique vantage point, integrating all of those topics, a lot of tangents, a lot of interrelations, but how else could it be? Like These are all integrated issues, and you can't mention one thing without it starting all of these other connections that we need to consider. It's messy, but digital rights, human rights, like these are messy things and we have to deal with them. Yes, agreed, Red. And I also want to touch upon what Fett mentioned on the alliance building uh, between civil society organizations, and especially here in the region, as a core action and way forward for us. I, with the pandemic that uh, we were robbed of opportunities to really foster relationships in the physical space. But now that with pandemic restrictions, hopefully easing, and with this, if this trend continues, we want to continue this building of alliances, not just in online spaces as we have been doing in the past few years, but also physically, and hopefully we can see each other in person. Speaking of these opportunities to see each other in person, the festival has been mentioned in the conversation. We can't emphasize enough how excited we are about that. The Asia Pacific Digital Rights Festival. This is a first. Um, we hope that you can join us. You can even suggest sessions 
facilitate them yourselves. It's going to be fun. There's going to be concerts, hackathons, like all sorts of creative activities, music, dancing, games, sports, what have you. We're going to make it fun. We hope you're there and it's for a good cause, digital rights, human rights, and all of the good things that Fett mentioned in his vision of the future. And for more information on the Asia-Pacific Digital Rights Festival, you can head on over to engagemedia.org festival. And we look forward to seeing you there. And speaking of seeing you there, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Pretty Good Podcast. We always appreciate those who tune in. Uh, it's been three years since we started this. And for more on us and to look back, you can head on over to engagemedia.org slash podcast. On audio, we are available on all audio streaming platforms. On video, you can watch us on cinemada.org. And with that, thank you for joining us this 2022 and see you in the next year. Bye.